Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. Thank you for coming, joining us for worship here at Ivy Creek. For those of you who are here in the room with us, we're welcoming all of you, and thank you. You sound great singing this morning. I kind of got caught up in that last song over there, and my voice was not getting caught up with me at the same time, so it, uh, it kind of sounds a little rough, but that was fine. It was only me that was hearing it. The rest of you sounded great. And uh, so we're thankful for all of you who are in here worshiping with us this morning. We're grateful for all of you who have joined us online today. Thank you for joining us uh, virtually, wherever you may be. We are grateful for your attendance this morning as well. And we continue uh, this morning in our series in the book of Psalms. So if you've got your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, take them out. Turn with me once again to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. As I mentioned last week, I believe the 23rd Psalm is probably the most well-known and most well-beloved of all the Psalms, and it's probably uh, one of the most well-known chapters in all of the Bible. And we began our study in it last week. We made it as far as verse 1. So uh, we, were, we were on a, a, a blitzkrieg, as it were, through the Psalm last week. We looked at two parts of that first verse. There's two parts there, and we looked at them together. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we looked at those two verses, those two parts of that, that verse actually come together, intricately tied together. You really don't get one without the other. They, they form a union, as you might say. And so there's this necessary correlation. You see, the Lord Jesus declares that he is our good shepherd. He says so there in the New Testament in John chapter 10. He is the good shepherd. So if the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, then know what, based upon what David tells us here in Psalm 23, Know that you will never lack anything. You will never lack anything that you need because the Lord Jesus is your good shepherd. In fact, I didn't quote this verse last week, but you can write it down and go back and check it out. Based upon what Paul writes later in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it's a correlation to what David says here in, in Psalm 23, verse 1. In Philippians 4, 19, the apostle Paul says this, My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the equivalent of what David says here in Psalm 23, verse 1. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You shall not be in need of anything. Now, unfortunately, though, I think sometimes when we think of, well, I, you know, I just, I just, I'll just get what I need. The Lord just gives me what I need. Sometimes I think that we think that, well, that, that's just the rudimentary basics. You know, God just meets the basics of our life. But I want to remind you that in the context of what Jesus declares about himself in John 10, that he is the good shepherd, he says he is the one who lays down his life for the sheep, in the context of what he tells us there, he also tells us in John 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. In other words, if the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, you will never lack anything that you need, and listen, you will have abundant life. That's what it means when you can truly say that the Lord is my shepherd. On the other hand, the opposite is also true. You see, if the Lord Jesus is not your shepherd, then it really makes no difference what all you may have credited to your account. It really makes no difference what all abundance you may have acquired in the, the process of living. You will be lacking the very thing that you need most. That's why I said last week when we look at those, that first part of verse 1, when we looked at there, 
The most, the, 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 the critical word in that first statement that David makes is the word my. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not enough to say the Lord is a shepherd. It's not enough to say the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord has to be your shepherd. The benefits identified in Psalm 23 that come to sheep like us, sheep who are in desperate need of a shepherd, those benefits come to those who can clearly say the Lord is my shepherd. So those who have Jesus lack nothing and they live abundant lives, but those who do not have Jesus lack everything. And I stated it this way in my sermon in a sentence last week from that first verse. I stated it this way, because I am a sheep who on my own lacks everything, then I need the Lord Jesus to be my shepherd so that I will never lack anything. So that, that sort of summarizes where we were last week, and I wanted to reset the context so that we can begin looking once again at this 23rd Psalm. And I want us to do exactly what we did last week. Y'all did so well, I want us to do it again. I want us to recite the 23rd Psalm together. It is our text, so let's say it together. You probably memorized it in various forms. It's okay, the Lord's going to enjoy it all, and we're going to enjoy it together. But read that and then recite it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's children said, Amen. Lord, we are grateful to be able to recite such a beautiful song in which you declare to us the great mercy and love that you have for us. And Lord, we're not even going to get there today. Lord, that last part. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And then, then I have this to look forward to, that I will dwell in your house forever. Lord, we look forward to that. We're thankful for that promise that you give us. We're grateful for the fact that we're going to get to study that even more deeply, but not even today. We're grateful for what you're going to show us today, though, from this psalm, and we pray that you'd help us to apply it to our lives We are the sheep of your pasture, so we pray that we will follow your leadership as our shepherd in Christ's name. Amen. So last week we looked at nine nine words of Psalm 23, verse 1. This week we are really going to pick up the pace. We're going to look at verses 2 and 3. So y'all hang on. It'll be a bumpy ride. Verses 2 and 3, David makes four statements. And I want us to look at each one of them. In the four statements that David makes, I want you to know that the shepherd is the subject of each of those four statements. And there are four imperfect verbs that bring the action. Now, as I mentioned last week, the fact that they're imperfect verbs does not mean that there's something wrong with them. 
It simply means that the action in which they are communicating is not complete. It's an ongoing action that has continued fulfillment in our lives even to now. And so it's the shepherd who is doing the action and the verbs communicate ongoing action on his behalf. And so with that being said, what we know right up front is that the Lord Jesus as our shepherd continually meets the needs in our lives because he is the one that, that for which we will never lack because he is our shepherd. So he continually meets our needs and he continually pushes us forward into abundant life. That is the premise with which we begin. Now let's look at the first statement. The first statement there is the one that we read at the first part of verse 2. We read this, He, that is the shepherd, makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, What that statement implies for us is that the Lord who is our shepherd, the Lord Jesus who provides us with abundant life and everything that we need, well, the first thing that we recognize is that he provides us with, notice the first point on your outline, he provides us with rest. With rest. David said, he makes me to lie down. That phrase there, those those two words that we translate into English as lie down, literally in Hebrew means to stretch out. He makes me to stretch out and to lie down, and to rest. Now, in his wonderful book entitled A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, a book by a man named Philip Keller, he he himself spent eight years as, as a shepherd, and he became a pastor. And so as he recalled and looked back on what his life was like as a shepherd of sheep, and then was able to understand that in light of what The scriptures teach about that as a pastor. He wrote this book, and it's a marvelous little book. And it sheds a lot of light on the effects of what all a shepherd does and all of those those activities that he engages in and how it affects his sheep. And Keller identifies four things that are absolutely necessary if a sheep is going to lie down and rest. He says they have to be free from fear, free from tension, free from aggravation, and free from hunger. Free from fear and free from tension and free from aggravation and free from hunger. If a sheep has any of those things, it will not lie down and rest. Here's the thing, though. Because a sheep is basically a helpless animal who cannot do for itself, it has no ability to provide for its own defenses, it doesn't have the ability to, 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 to take care of itself in a lot of respects, it, sheep tend to be restless. They tend to be discontented and agitated and disturbed. That's the, the normal reaction of sheep therefore they need a shepherd to come along and to defend them and to 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 defend them against predators to 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 be able to help them with all of the the parasites and the flies that aggravate them and keep them discontented all the time and yes they need a shepherd who will come in and actually settle out arguments among the flock do you realize that sheep actually argue and fight with one another they, they start bumping heads and, and one wants to take over and doesn't like where another one's eaten. Another one wants to be able to lay down in that place. And so according to Keller in his book, sheep fight among themselves and it's the shepherd who settles everything out. It's also the shepherd who feeds them. And how does he do that? Well, he leads them into green pastures, as David says here. Literally, pastures of tender grass. I like how Ray Fowler puts it. He says, green here is the word for new grass. In other words, these aren't just any pastures. The good shepherd leads the sheep to good grazing pasture, to rich, 
and fresh and green, full of nutrients, beauty and life. These kind of pastures. Here's the point. The point is that it is the shepherd who provides all of this for his flock. Because they cannot provide it for themselves, the sheep are dependent upon the shepherd for protection and for security and for comfort and food. They look to him for these basic necessities so that they can, they can rest. So, so this passage really points us, first of all, to, to the necessity of the shepherd to provide what the sheep need most, and that's rest. But here's the other intriguing part about this to me. The interesting part of this passage is that, that David says that the thing that, that he needs most, the first thing that he brings to our attention after he talks about the Lord being our shepherd who meets all of our needs, the first thing that he brings to our attention is, is rest. I would have thought that he would probably bring some sort of action into the mix. What, what would the sheep need to do? They needed to do something. But David says, no, he makes me to lie down. That's the first thing that he brings to our attention. I would have thought something different. J.M. Boyce picks up on that thought and he comments this, this way. He says, this is simply a reminder that the Christian life always begins with resting in Christ. That's where the Christian life starts, resting in Jesus he says, along the way, there will be time for, for many things for us to do, but we begin by resting in him who has done everything for us. In fact, isn't that what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28? He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will do what? I will give you rest. Rest is a need that you and I have, and it is crucial to our living and abundant life. And listen, only the good shepherd, only the Lord Jesus can provide it for us. The same can be said for the next thing that David identifies in the second part of verse 2. Once again, the shepherd is the subject of the sentence. And David says this, He leads me beside the still waters. Notice the, the second point on your outline this morning. The shepherd provides his sheep not only with rest, but with refreshment. Refreshment. The word still waters there could also be translated as, as um, waters of rest. Here's what I learned in reading uh, about sheep. They're skittish. They're timid. They're, they're, they're fearful. So fearful, in fact, that, that they're even fearful of, of fast-moving water. They will not go drink from, from a river or a fast-moving stream. They're afraid of what will happen to them, so they, they won't go and drink from it. So the shepherd is the one who has to lead his sheep to places where still waters can be found for them. Once again, we see, again, it's the shepherd who provides for the needs of his sheep. But again, in this, in this book that I'm reading by Philip Keller, I learned that thirsty sheep become restless sheep. Thirsty sheep become restless sheep. If they aren't led to good, clean, pure water supplies, sheep will go searching and they will often end up drinking from the polluted potholes that they find along the trail. These are stagnant pools of, of water, often contaminated with the manure and the urine of other flocks that have already tra tra traversed that exact same area. And so they will they will in immediately attempt to satisfy their own thirst 
by drinking from this polluted water, but their bodies will then become riddled with parasites and disease. They may find instant gratification from drinking this dirty water, but they will end up paying a steep and potentially fatal price for doing so. Sadly, many Christians are just like that. Uh, Stephen Cole has written this way. He says, many don't want to wait upon the Lord to fulfill their inner longings. They want a quick fix. They want instant happiness. And so they go for these polluted potholes of the world. And ultimately, they inflict tremendous damage upon their souls. Consider what the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 2 verse 13. The Lord says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's the first one. And the second one is this, They have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They've left the side of the Lord and they pursued things in areas that cannot satisfy them. You may remember the words of Jesus as he spoke to the Samaritan woman who he met by the well there in John chapter 4. In John 4, Jesus looks at her. She's there to draw water from the well, and he says to her, Look, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, let me say this to you, that the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, He provides refreshment to the souls of his sheep who will come and drink from him and will satisfy themselves in him. He will provide them with rest. He will provide them with refreshment. And then notice the next thing that we see there in verse 3. David says, he restores my soul. That brings us to the third thing that that the Lord Jesus provides us. He provides us with restoration. Now, when I think of the word restoration, I typically think of it with regard to someone who wants to restore an old car back to its original state. Maybe somebody here likes to restore furniture or something. They, get, they find stuff that somewhere and they, they want to they make it back to the way that it was originally created to be. And, and all of the years of, of use and even abuse that have eroded it from the way that it once was, they want to restore it back to the way that it had been originally created. That's the way I understand this verse. Notice what David says. David says that the shepherd restores his soul. The word soul there in the Hebrew is the word nephesh. It can also be translated life. David literally is saying, look, the Lord restores my life. Now, that's important to consider for at least a couple of reasons. Number one, in context of what we just saw, that sheep tend to endanger their own lives because they drink from polluted pools of water. They leave the shepherd's care and they go out chasing their own things, searching for their own way of doing stuff. And in the process, they put their own lives in peril. Well, it is the shepherd who goes after them and gets those sheep and he seeks them out. He brings them back to the fold. He nurses those sheep back to health and he restores their life. But then also consider the fact that sheep can become cast, cast down. 
Keller describes cast down sheep as one who has, who has gotten turned over on its back. It can't get back up again. It's a sheep that, that he says is a pathetic sight because it's lying on its back with its feet stuck up in the air and it's flailing around frantically and frightened trying to get back up, but it has no ability to get back up. He says the reason this happens can be a number of reasons. It can happen for, for a number of different things. Sometimes it just happens because it, when it lies down, it just gets turned and it can't get itself back up. Consider such a cast down sheep. Consider such a sheep that has drunk from polluted pools and is sick. Both of those scenarios, we see vulnerable sheep. In some cases, because they've gone their own way, failing to follow the shepherd. In some cases, it's just simply because they've gotten down and can't get back up. Circumstances in their lives have just come upon them and caused them to fall. In both scenarios, left to themselves, without the intervention of the shepherd, these sheep are going to die. The fact is, humans are a lot like that. The Bible tells us is that our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden... They enjoyed a perfect relationship with God. Scriptures tell us that they had abundant life, that every need that they would have ever had in life was being met by God himself. And then sin entered. And when sin entered, immediately that relationship was broken. Death came, first spiritually, followed eventually by physical death. And from that point forward, all of humanity has followed in the same footsteps of our first parents. In fact, sin entered the world, death because of that sin, and thus death spread to all men. That's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5. And what that means is that none of us are immune. We are all like sheep, just like the sheep that David refers to here. We are cast down. We are diseased by sin. And as the prophet Isaiah put it, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Brothers and sisters, left to ourselves, we would remain spiritually flat on our backs, helpless to save ourselves. The disease of sin would spread and ultimately destroy our lives. But the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, he came to restore our lives. I have good news for you today. When you fall down, the Lord Jesus does not abandon you. He doesn't leave you alone. Rather, as Jesus talks about it in Luke chapter 15, he is like that shepherd who will leave the 90 and 9 and go out to the field searching for that one to whom he cannot find and who is not at home. He will go looking for you. If you have fallen in sin, I want you to know the Lord Jesus will discipline you. He will correct you in order to bring you back into the fold and to restore your life. If you are cast down by the sadness of life, the Lord Jesus will come along and lift you up and renew you. I think you probably couldn't have had anything written more beautifully by someone who understood this better than King David. David knew what it was like to be a shepherd because that's how he had spent the first years of his life, was tending to sheep. But David also knew that he was a sheep. We talked about that last week. And he knew his own propensity to follow and, and to go away and do his own thing. David knew better than anyone what it was like to go down the paths that was not being led by the good shepherd. He knew what it was like to, to be cast down. He knew what it was like to experience drinking from polluted pools. 
Which is why I think you read what David writes in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David writes about restoration. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, what David writes there in Psalm 51 and what he writes here in Psalm 23, I think perfectly dovetail together because what we recognize is is that restoration comes through repentance. Listen, when we fall down and we need, we need to know that we can get back up again and be restored to an abundant life. Jesus does that for us. He did it, first of all, by coming and dying for our sins. He, he died in our place so that we would not have to face the punishment of our sins. But then he continues to provide us the healing that we need as we go through life and often stumble. Through faith in him, we become the sheep of his pasture and we become the ones that he will go after and find. What a comfort it is to know that when I fall, and I fall a lot, what a comfort it is to know that Jesus doesn't abandon me. He comes looking for me. He's the one who restores my soul. He is the one who provides correction. He is the one who provides renewal. So the Lord Jesus is our shepherd and he provides us with everything we need and and he leads us into abundant life, a life of rest, a life of refreshment, a life of restoration. But then notice with me the final statement that David makes there at the end of verse 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The fourth thing that I have listed for you there that we get from the Lord Jesus is that he leads us on right paths. He leads us on right paths. As I studied this and I reflected on what I was reading and learning about sheep, but also about my own life in general, I reflected on just how prone sheep are to doing what I'm prone to do. In fact, you know the words of that psalm, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Well, that's not only my testimony, that's the the testimony of sheep, evidently, because that's exactly what they do. They tend to just, they, they tend to get distracted, they ramble off in their own chosen direction, they end up in danger, they end up cast down, and it reminded me of my own life in many respects, and then I was drawn back to the portion of, of the book of Proverbs where, where King Solomon writes two different times in Proverbs. He says the same thing twice. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, and in Proverbs 16, verse 25, he says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to destruction. There's a way that seems right to a man when he's rambling off, chasing his own things, going down the path that he thinks he needs to be on, but its end leads to destruction. I thought, that's not only true for me, it's true for sheep. And according to what David writes here, what we need to recognize is that there are paths of righteousness, right paths that our good shepherd leads us down, and then there are the the other paths, the wrong paths, we might say. Jesus talks about them in a different way, but nonetheless, just as concretely in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says that there is a broad path that leads to destruction and there's a narrow path that leads to life. 
In other words, just as David says here in Psalm 23, there is the right path upon which we must travel, the path that leads to health and to safety and to abundant life when we follow our good shepherd. And what we have to realize and recognize is that following our good shepherd on the right path, we do that because of our own, our own good. It's for our own good if we follow him. Because he, he has our best health and involved in, in our best life as his goal for us. So following him down the right path produces the best good for us that we can possibly imagine. But notice also that the good shepherd leads us down the right path for his glory. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, for the renown of our good shepherd, we should follow in right paths. I like how one preacher has put it, the health and vitality and protection of his sheep will cause others to look at this shepherd and say, wow, you're an amazingly good shepherd. Think about it. From what we know about sheep, do you think anyone's ever going to go up to a sheep and look at them and brag on them about how well they take care of themselves? Wow, you are, you've been working out, haven't you? You're doing an awesome job taking care of yourself, sheep. You're do- no, sheep have no ability to take care of themselves. They're helpless. They, the only way they thrive is if they stay under the care of the good shepherd who takes care of them. So consequently, we recognize that on their own, sheep, Sheep stray, they wander, they get cast down, they drink polluted water, they get ravaged by predators. Healthy sheep that are rested and refreshed and restored, well, those sheep, people, when they see them, they know that those sheep must have an amazing shepherd. One preacher put it this way, when the sheep are healthy, the shepherd gets the glory, and he should. Brothers and sisters, our goal as sheep is to bring glory to our shepherd. That's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16. He says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's what it means to walk down right paths, to be led in paths of righteousness. It means to to follow our shepherd and to live our lives in such a way that people, when they see our lives, recognize, hey, they're healthy, they're They are walking behind the shepherd, not because of something they've done, but because they've got a great shepherd and they glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Listen, the Lord guides you in righteous paths so that you may follow him. And when you do, it will be for your ultimate good. And it will ultimately bring him glory as well. Ray Fowler puts it this way. We glorify God best when we live a life that is pleasing to him. So if we back up then and we look at all three of these first three verses, then what we recognize in our context based upon what we learned last week and this week is that we're sheep and we're sheep that are desperately in need of a savior and a shepherd. We're hopelessly and desperately lost without him. We need his guidance. And when we get hit and when we follow him, we are blessed beyond measure. He He gives us abundant life, and in him we can be content and we can be confident. He is the satisfying shepherd. And that's what led us to our sermon in the sentence last week. Let me say it for you once more. Because I am a sheep who on my own lacks everything, I need the Lord Jesus to be my shepherd so that I will never lack anything. Well, then based upon what we've learned today in verses 2 and 3, then I offer you my sermon in the sentence for today. 
which builds upon the last one and says this, I will not lack anything when I trust the Lord Jesus as my shepherd and follow him on the right path to abundant life. That's true. Then let me ask you, have you trusted in Jesus to be your shepherd? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus to be your shepherd? It has to begin there. It starts with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your shepherd. And then it moves from faith to following. Are you following him? Are you hearing his voice and going where he leads you? You know, in the opening chapter of Philip Keller's book, he paints a really sad picture. He, he describes a sheep ranch that was adjacent to his own ranch. And on that other ranch were sheep that were tended to by a shepherd whom he says was a man who ought never to have been allowed to keep sheep. He says in his book there that, that this man, this other shepherd, uh, had no concern about his sheep and he had no concern about his land. He said the sheep were forced to gnaw away on bare brown fields and impoverished pastures. Every winter there was a shortage of nourishing hay and wholesome grain. Shelter was scanty and inadequate. He says they had only polluted muddy water to drink and in their thin, weak, and diseased condition, these poor sheep were a pathetic sight. But then he says what I thought was to be the saddest part of the story. Keller writes that while he tended to his own sheep on his adjacent ranch, he could see this other man's sheep come and stand at the fence. And they were huddled in these little knots, he says. And they stared wistfully through the woven wire at the green lush pastures which his flock enjoyed. Had they been able to speak, Keller writes, I am sure they would have said, Oh, to be set free from this awful owner. This, he says, is the story of poor, pathetic people the world over who have not known what it is to belong to the good shepherd, but who instead suffer under sin and Satan on their derelict ranch. You see, sheep who do not belong to the good shepherd, they forage and they search for green grass and for still waters, but all they ever find are brown fields and polluted pools. Such a picture like that demands that I ask the important question, who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? I want you to know that your well-being directly depends upon who your shepherd is and upon the pasture that your shepherd is leading you to. If Jesus is your shepherd, you will never lack anything. There is no shepherd like him. He is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for you so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So I ask you, is Jesus Christ your shepherd? If not, then I want you to know he can become your shepherd today. You don't have to spend your life staring longingly at green meadows and crystal clear water, never being able to enjoy it for yourself. The scriptures teach us that if you will come to him in simple faith and you will place your trust in him, then he will, he will make you one of his sheep 
The Bible tells us that if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. Trust in Jesus, and as David says, so you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, if that is your testimony, then the second question is for you, are you following your shepherd? Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So the question is, are you following Jesus? See, unfortunately, the reality is there are many who say that they are followers of Christ, that the Lord is their shepherd, but the fact is that they spend their lives, as Keller calls it, fence crawling. They always are looking for greener grass on the other side. They're always searching for something a little better. They're never truly satisfied with the shepherd and what he provides them. Even though the good shepherd has supplied them with the best meadows and the best water, they keep taking their eyes off of him and they're searching for abundant life elsewhere. And as a result, they end up back on those brown, burned up, bare fields. If you're honest, is that you? As you look at your own life, is that you? Have you wandered away from the shepherd? Have you gotten yourself into foreign fields where you were never intended to be? If that's the case, let me ask you, how long has it been since you've actually had rest? How long has it been since you've been refreshed? Maybe what needs to happen is you need to be restored. And if that's the case, then I want you to know that the the Lord Jesus stands ready to receive you. He is here to restore your life. He is here to bring to you that exact thing that you need most. If that's the case, I want you to know he loves you. He wants you to come to him and repent. And he wants to restore you to the life that he wants for you. Will you let him do that today? The message of the first part of this psalm to me is clearly this. The Lord has not left us alone. He has not just left us to fend for ourselves in this world. No, the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd who has come to give his life for us because he loves us, he cares for us, he provides for us, he protects us. And what he calls us to do is to follow him on the right path to abundant life. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God and it's for the people of God. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day and for your word. We're grateful for what it teaches us about ourselves and what it teaches us about you. The fact is we cannot sidestep the fact that we are like sheep who have all gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his or her own way. And that being said, The end of that story is nothing but bad news for us if it stays that way. We will end up diseased, cast, in trouble, ravaged by predators. But you are the good shepherd. And you have come to restore our lives. You've come to restore the relationship that sin has taken away between us and the Father. And you've done that by giving of your own self in our place. We thank you for that. We acknowledge our need of you. 
And Father, I pray that if there are those today who have never come to that recognition, that today would be that day that they absolutely recognize their utter need of you to be their good shepherd. I pray for others of us who have chased after the wrong things and ended up drinking from some very polluted pools in our lives. I thank you that we know that you are the one who restores us. I pray that if there is one who has gone away from you, that today would be today that they would allow you to, be, to bring restoration to their lives. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for how you continue to care and provide for us. And we praise you for it all in Christ's holy name. Amen.